beautiful presence of the Lord that is in this place. What a beautiful presence. In his presence is that fullness of joy. That's what we have to count on, and it's there. You know, the Bible says that we're uh, spotty. You and I, on our best week, we might hit it maybe 50%, 60%, 70%, whatever it is. I'm not keeping count either, but God's 100%. That's what he is. He's there all the time, and so today is, is, is no exception. This is the day the Lord hath made. We studied that last week, and it's because God has brought salvation to this world. You and I, no matter what we go through in this life, we have salvation in Jesus' name. And so consider this. A scripture that sometimes we misquote and, um, and we can get it wrong is found in the 8th chapter of the book of John. It says that, that, the, that the truth will make us free, not set us free. See, set has the connotation that God's going to do it all, that he's going to do it. All I have to do is just arrive in his presence and, man, he'll just sweep me off my feet and that type of thing. I'm not saying those things don't happen from time to time, but the truth is that the truth will make you free. What does that mean? That means that you, every person in this earth, gets a revealed fact of the truth. And then you have the opportunity to make up your mind whether or not you want to live it or not. That's under the, law, the perfect law of liberty. That's what God gives to you and I. He doesn't make us do anything. He says, here's the facts. Here's what it is. And now you have to make up your mind. And so God is very patient. And, there's, you know, and the reason I'm saying this today is I, I, I suspect that, um, that's probably the wrong word, I, I believe that there are people in here that you're finally making up your mind. That the truth is going to make you free and you're going to live the truth. And that truth is what's going to become the faith that you have in God. It's not working your way to heaven, folks. It's finding yourself in the arms of him, in Jesus' name. And so I believe that that availability is here today. No matter who you are, where you've been, it doesn't make any difference. God is an across-the-board God when it comes to truth. He really is. No respect for persons. And so I have a confidence here today that as we begin to talk about the cross, which, in, like I said before, is one of the most pivotal main events that ever happened. In the Old Testament, they were looking for it. They were longing for it. They didn't understand it fully. That's why when Jesus did it, they kind of were taken back. Was that what he meant? Is that what was going to take place? Is that how he was going to come? But later on, as Jesus resurrected from the dead, the Bible says he opened up their understanding to the scripture. And then they began to say, well, yeah, it benefited Christ to suffer. And now I can follow suit. I can do the same thing. Not to the extent that he has, but to whatever extent he wants me to do that in Jesus' name. Full salvation is in this place today. If you, if you are in the process of repenting of your sins, you've come to a great place because you can further that. You can deepen that. You can take some of that veneer off and you can get into the root system of, of the cause. Somebody said one time, God is not so concerned about the what as to the why. And that's deeper. That goes down about three or four layers usually. But once you get to the why, and Jesus says, you don't have to do it that way. I remember God dealing with me about some of the nasty habits I had when I first came to the church. He never condemned me. Sin condemned me. I had to separate that one. Sin will always condemn you. But God just kept speaking to my heart saying, you don't have to live that way. And finally, after a few times, it got, I mean, it, it sunk. I thought, well, no, I don't have to. And so with his help, I made up my mind to start living a different way. You know, and I've been doing that for 45, 46 years. That's the pattern that I got into. And so you can do the same thing here today in Jesus' name.
God can help you to deepen that repentance. And then if you've ever considered being baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, that is an important event in your life because you identify with Jesus' death by being buried with him in baptism. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't that an honor? Come on, I'm telling you, that is fantastic. And the Bible promises you and I that he will arise us in the newness of life through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many here have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Come on, lift up your hands and your voices right now and give God praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. the name of the Lord. Come on, he's a mighty God. He's a great God. He has showed up. He's always here. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is the almighty God. There's nobody like him. In Jesus' name, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, blessed be to the name of the Lord. Yes, that's right. Go ahead and shout to him for just a couple of minutes. Go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and just tell him how wonderful he is. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What a mighty God. Jesus, and you may be seated. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Paul made reference to the fact to the Corinthian church that we preach Christ crucified. Praise God. That's what we do. That's one of our flags that we wave. Praise God. And, and, uh, and we're into the season now where most of the world will start paying attention a little bit to this. I have always said Easter and Christmas are times when people seem to be a little more sensitive to God than other times. I, I, I try to reform uh, CEO Christians. Do you know what they are? CEO Christians? Christians, CEO Christians are Christians that usually show up church in Christmas and Easter only. And so I'm on a, I, I'm on a, um, a campaign to, to make that just a good start in Jesus' name. Praise God. Because God is worthy of your time. Can you say amen? Yeah. Praise God. And so the cross is really the, the thing that we, we emphasize all the time. That's the thing about you apostolics that really help me out. I, you know, used to be when I was in, in denominal churches that you had certain times of the year and then you shut the book and put that stuff away in the attic and then you went on to something else. But we as apostolics, there are certain things that we emphasize all year round. And that's one of the things that has helped me out because I've needed that and, and God has is, is been so good to us in Jesus' name. 
Um, uh, last week we talked about Jesus' triumphal uh, entry into the city of Jerusalem. A lot of people dispute that. They say, well, he was just going to die. Well, that was the triumph, praise God, that he wasn't afraid to die. And we understand, and one of the things that we brought out last week is that Jesus did this right out in the open. Jesus did not hide this. This wasn't something that was, you know, he, he got up at four in the morning and when nobody would be there and he came into the city. He didn't do that. He came in there when everybody was there and peak times and that type of thing. And not that he needs to be showy or anything like that, but it's one of those principles that God does. He, he, the things that are important to the Lord, he will show to everybody. And that's why the truth will make you free because he is showing you truth. The truth will make you free if you allow it to in Jesus' name. And so the truth of the matter is, is that, that, uh, that the cross was an important thing. One of the things that Jesus established, um, and especially in the Gospel of John, I want to show you this. Uh, Sister Carnahan, put up John chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading in verse 21. And, and um, you can find this um, probably a little more regular in the Gospel of, of John than you do in the other Gospels, not that Jesus didn't mention it there, but the Gospel of John, it doesn't take a whole lot of um, just a simple going through it to figure out that that Gospel's a little different. And basically what the Gospel of John is about is telling people who Jesus is. Um, one of these days I'm going to do a teaching on the seven miracles that Jesus did in the Gospel of John. And out of those seven um, miracles, you can get everything that God has in store for you in this life. Every one of those miracles represents something that he wants to do in your life today. And that's only in the Gospel of John. And not that they didn't display the other uh, miracles in the other Gospels, but in the Gospel of John, he really, really emphasized Jesus, who he is, what he did, and what he can do. And so this is why we can go to this book and we can have confidence. 21, verse 21 and 8 of John says, Then said Jesus again unto them. Now Jesus is down to the end of the, of the, of the, of the road here. He is teaching. He's not holding anything back. Not that I thought he ever did. But especially in this time, because the Gospel of John deals with the, 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 the few weeks around the, um, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection and that type of thing very, very, very much. And so he's here, he's into it. He says, I go my way and you shall seek me and you shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Now that's quite a statement to make. You're going to die in your sins. To the serious Christian, that woke him right up. I don't want to die in my sins. I want my sins forgiven. Can somebody say amen? amen. Okay, and the good news is, is you don't have to. But the Bible says in verse 22, Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So again, misunderstanding, uh, misinterpretation. They were just trying to figure out, What's this guy saying? Well, then Jesus said in verse 23, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, and I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. And then he says, makes a statement here in verse 24 that I want you to consider. He said, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am. Now do you see that word he there? That's a supplied word. That word was added to the King James Version Bible. I'm not here to bring contention to that. But in the original manuscript, that is not there. And that really brings out a significance of who Jesus is. He said, for if you believe not that I am. You go back to the third chapter of the book of Exodus and you find out when Moses was having a little bit of a meltdown. Well, you, you got a message, God. I got to go tell these people what's going on. Well, can you at least tell me who's sending me? Who am I coming? Who am I representing? 
And if you go back to that third chapter, I think it's around 14 and 15 of Exodus, you'll find out that God told Moses to say, Send him, tell him I am sent you. And of course, we understand that the word I am in the Hebrew there means all-sufficient one. And so you must understand Jesus was announcing himself as the all-sufficient one. He is the only one that could have ever died for the sins of this world. And he's telling them that. And he's not bragging, folks. He's revealing. Now, this is an example of the truth shall make you free. Unfortunately, many people during that time, and I, and I don't like saying this, but they did not receive the truth. They would not walk in the truth. And that's what makes a difference. That's what God is doing in this world. He's not, he's not um, you know, threatening, and he's not you know, uh, uh, making deals and under the cover, you know, under the counter things. He's not doing it. He's just continually revealing truth. That's what he does. The truth is what does it. Bible says that Jesus said in the third chapter of this same gospel that he that doeth truth is the one that's going to overcome evil, not he that does good. You and I, we can be good, amen, and, and I'm not advocating that we don't, but being good will never save us. It's our, it's, it's, our, it's our adhering to the truth that saves us. And Jesus was making a blanket statement here that if you don't believe that I am, think about that. That's why the doctrine of Jesus Christ is one of the most important doctrines in this world. It is. Because Buddha didn't die for your sins. You know, some president isn't going to rise up and, and, and give you a way to heaven. That's already been done. And so you and I must accept the fact, praise God, that the work has already been done. And now you and I can have a part in it. It's a minor role, but it's a good one. And that's what I want to try to help you understand here today. The cross is such a significant thing, praise God. You know, there are three crosses. We're going to talk about this for a little bit here today. Three crosses on a hill that provide an analogy, analogy for life and death. They really do. That's why I'm saying when Jesus was crucified, he did it right out in the open so that everybody could see, so that it could be recorded, so that it wouldn't be forgotten, praise God. And that's why 2,000 and some change later, years, we can still come to the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and it was significant in Jesus' name. Can you lift your hands right now? Maybe close your eyes and ask God to give you, give you an understanding of that. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God, give me an understanding of this. Help me to understand what this is all about, God. And make this Easter season one of the best I've ever had in my life. Help me to accept the sacrifice, Lord God, and to do what you want me to do in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Man, I feel the power of God in this place to set and to make the captive free. Oh, hallelujah. What a day. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. If you're a visitor here today, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. I believe that God has, has preordained for this to be. Praise God. You arrived here just in time in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, blessed be to the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. 
And so as always, you know, the mouth of two or three witnesses, I know that's a legal term, but a lot of times it works for scripture too. That's why if you're going to, if you're going to find doctrine in the Bible, you're going to have to find more than just one place in the Bible where it's mentioned. And that's easy to do if you read through your Bible, you will find that. And so again, we see that this, this recording was, was put into place. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, you can read it there. It says, the Bible says that there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. Again, I think that's significant. Praise God. That's what we, we look at our lives. You're either in the right or you're on the left. There's no gray area. And I'm not here to condemn, folks. I'm not here to be the judge. I'm just here to present the truth that will make you free. You can be on the right side of God. They were fishing one time, and this was um, kind of deja vu. You know, Jesus, in, in his introduction to the disciples, you know, he used their boat for a preaching platform, and then he said, hey, let's go out fishing. And, of course, they were a little bit apprehensive because it was in the middle of the day. Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And then upon his word, they went out and did that, and they came up with a whole bunch of fish. Praise God. What a day. Well, when Jesus, you know, died and, and rose again and was uh, appearing to his disciples, same scenario, Peter decided to go back fishing, you know, and he goes out there and they're not catching a thing. And you just have to laugh to yourself, you know. Here it is again, you know, and all of a sudden Jesus appears on the shore, doesn't he? Yeah, and he howls out to him, catching anything? And he's not trying to be facetious, he's just trying to get their attention. Praise God. Well, let's do something. Try putting the net on the right side. Read it for yourself. It's there. And when they did that, man, they, they couldn't hardly pull the fish right up into the boat. So the, the, the idea of it is, I understand these, this is symbolic language, but it goes a long way. Get on the right side of God. Come on, be on his right side. You can do that. You can find favor here with the Lord, praise God, which will not, you know, excuse your bad behavior, but boy, it'll give you a standing with God like you've never had before. Come on, anybody interested in that? I'm here to tell you forgiveness is one of the greatest things that God gives to us. It's a gifting that comes from God. He will do it. It's a free gift in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And so in that instance, it tells that. In John chapter 19, it gives us the same account. Praise God, it talks about the fact that he was, that he was um, crucified. But the Bible uses a different term there. It says he, that, he was that he was crucified in the midst of them. He was in the middle, praise God. And so this is where God is at in your life right now. Amen, whether you recognize that or not. God doesn't stay off in left field someplace and wait for the perfect invitation. He's a loving God. He's coming right on board, praise God. Now, he's not here to force himself on you, but he's going to reveal truth to you. Praise God, that's what he's going to do. And that truth will make you free, praise God. If you'll live that truth, if you'll decide I'm going to grab this with all the gusto I got, I'm not going to let too many things get in the way. I am going to start sorting things out of my life, even right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to start keeping the important things, praise God, that God wants me to do. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You will find favor with God. That's the way it is. It's not based upon age or, or who you are, what your parents did, that type of thing. It's based upon your relationship with him right now in the name of Jesus. Now, come on, that's what the cross gave us. God, he just, he, somebody said he bankrupt heaven. He can't do that. You don't bankrupt God. 
He's got more of a reserve than you and I can even think about, praise God. But he gives it all, praise God. He pours it out. He doesn't trickle it down. He pours it out. That's what he's trying to do in here today in the name of Jesus. There's a couple of you that have come here for a witness that you've already received the Holy Ghost. You began to speak in tongues maybe a while ago, a month ago, two months ago. And you're here as a confirmation. I'm here to tell you it is a confirmation. Praise God. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. I'm here to tell you this is part of the, of the life that God has given to us. It's the truth that makes us free. Can you say amen? Come on, why don't you clap your hands to God? Oh, what a God. What a God. And so the three crosses represent things. They do. We represent, praise God. Let me just give you a little, a little dose of it. One was dying in sin. I'm talking about the people who were on the cross. One was dying unto sin. And then the other one was dying for sin. That's important. And that's ever true today. Every day, 365 days a year, that's exactly what's happening. Praise God. People, you know, they try to avoid the cross, and you can't do that in life. You can't do that. Now, I'm not talking about the, 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 the Roman cross that Jesus died on. Folks, that was meant for a purpose. That was meant for, for punishment and, and example and all that kind of business. But, but, but the cross that God gave us was a redemptive cross. And then he gives to us a way, a style, a, a lifestyle that you and I, we can get involved in this so that it will further penetrate itself. See, the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful, alive, and, in, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's moving. It's, it's doing something, praise God, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God will even pierce that word through that veneer. That's what he'll do. He doesn't leave it up to you. He does it because he loves us. And that's why he reveals truth that way. He will pierce it through those veneers. And I'm going to tell you something. The word is alive. That's why you can't escape it. Now, you can turn it off. You can get involved in other things. And that's a large part of what our world is doing today. God deals with them. And it doesn't even have to be in a place like this. God will deal with them when you look up in the sky. Come on, I remember one night before I came to the Lord, I was as drunk as you could get. I took the long way up the driveway. And I'm not proud of that, but that's what I was doing. But I'll never forget that night. God had been dealing with me, and I looked up into the sky, and all of a sudden I became as, as, as sober as a church mouse, if that's such a thing. But that's, that's what I did. And I looked up in the sky, and all of a sudden it became real to me. There is a God. And that's what I'm talking about. What did he do? He pierced that right through all of that veneer. Now, that wasn't a guarantee that I was going to come to God, but that was a showing of God's love for us in the name of Jesus. And how many times does he do that? How many times has he done that to you this week? Come on, how many times has he talked to you this week? Come on, start recognizing that. That's not God that's condemning you. That's God that's trying to attract you. He's trying to love you. That's what he's doing, but he's not, he's not going to do it for you. He's going to present it to you, and then you're going to make that decision. And that's what happens, and this is where we see in the, in the cross, praise God. Now, let's examine these three, okay, and see if we can find ourselves. The good news is you can't be the one in the middle. That role's already taken. You and I are not going to be the one that dies for sins. 
But as far as I'm concerned, we find ourselves in these two places. And if you find yourself in the wrong place today, the good news is you can change that. You can get on the right side of God. You can determine today that this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to be glad and rejoice in it. And I'm going to start living the way He wants me to live. Come on, we sang that chorus today. I want to live the way He wants me to live. Praise God. That's the best way and it will always be the best way. Well, the first one, unfortunately, was the doubting malefactor that died in sin. And after he railed on, and you must understand that's exactly what he did. And that's what our world does. Seeking somebody to blame. Seeking somebody that they can just point the finger at. That is ever present in our world. And so here it is on the cross, in the scenario of the cross. And so he didn't respect Jesus' innocence or his holiness. He didn't. He didn't see it. And so he was self-absorbed, blinded. You know, his, his being self-absorbed blinded him to the, you know, to the, uh, to the magnificent Christ. And that's why the scripture says, praise God, that the, the, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of people so that they can't see. But the good news is the church, I'm talking about the apostolic church, and I do it every day. I come against that darkness. I, by the name of the Lord, by the authority of God's word, I pray that that darkness is gone, the blindness is lifted, and people now can see their need to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. I pray that prayer every day, not because I'm so good, but because God is allowed allowed the truth to set into my heart and in my mind. Praise God. And so here he was. You know, he was ignorant of the presence of royalty. And boy, does that not describe our world? Come on, God is omnipresent. He isn't hiding. But sometimes we just don't see him. And so this person's doubt about the identity of the Messiah was expressed with a reluctant if. What did he say? Well, if thou be the Son of God, save us. And yourself. And what was that? That was a way, 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 way lack of understanding. He didn't realize why Jesus was on that cross. Yes, Jesus could have came off of that cross. Yes, he could have called for angels to come down and make it easier for him. But he chose not to. Why? Because of the cost. Come on, you and I must look at the cross and not get, you know, not get grossed out and that type of thing, but we must look at it with respect that our God would go to that extent, that our God would take that pain, praise God. That's what he, would, that's what he did. And so you and I must understand this was the problem with the person who was, who was dying, you know, who died in sin. And that's the problem with our world today. They don't have to be sitting on a cross to feel this way. They can just get a disappointed of not getting the right job or they can get disappointed because materialism runs out. That's where they're at. And folks, the only hope for people like that is to die in their sin. I am not, again, condemning. I'm just telling you how it is. And the cross represents this. Amen. And so this is, this is the way it is. He allowed the opportunity, and this is what I want to tell somebody here today. Today is the day of opportunity. God has revealed to you truth, and now you have to do something with it. That is a demand of God. Amen. He doesn't sit back and say, well, you didn't have a chance. No, you have an opportunity. And so the opportunity of a lifetime slipped by his, his, his own perception and his plea for biological life, not spiritual life, save yourself and us. You know what this man represents? He represents the masses that reject their only hope for eternal life. I know that's very sobering, folks, but that's the truth of the matter. That's what the cross tells us. 
is that there's, you know, that God gave it his, he gave it his, his all, praise God. And now the whole world, praise God, is going to be revealed that truth and they will do. Now, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, but realistically, that's not the only one. The second one, think about this one. The second one, the other male factor, and he started out doing that, just like all of us. Joined in with his fellow uh, cohort, you know. Yeah, yeah, if you're God, I mean, come on, show us all that kind of business. But something happened to this person. And, and, and in the midst of this, this, this three-hour episode, or however long it was, it was not just a five-minute thing. In the midst of this, the, he began the person who died unto sin. And this is how you can tell that people are beginning to die unto sin, is the fact that he rebuked his fellow criminal for his disrespectful chiding. He realized this wasn't his fault. We're up here because of what we did. Nobody told us that we should steal or lie or, or break the law. You know, I was up, I've been in jail ministry for 30 years. And from time to time, people would come to me and we'd have these big Bible studies and sometimes you'd get different people to come and so on and so forth. And every once in a while, one of them would come up to me and say, do you got a word from the Lord for me? And I'd go, oh yeah. And I'd hesitate a little bit. You got a word for the Lord? I said, yeah, I got one. You ready? You ready for this one? You got a word for the Lord? I said, I got one. You ready? Stop breaking the law. And I'm not, being, I'm not being condescending. It's the truth. You broke the law. That's why you got in here. And so this is why you and I are in the place that we are today. You don't have to go to a county jail to feel this. You don't have to go to a prison to feel this. All of us feel that condemnation. And that is not God, by the way. That is the sin that comes when we break the law. That's what it is. And you and I must take responsibility for that. Now, God doesn't expect us to die for that sin, but he expects us to take responsibility. And this is what happened to the one who began to die unto sin. There's the difference. Is he started taking responsibility for his behavior. You look at his conversation, and I believe we're just getting the, the, you know, the tip of the iceberg of what they talked about. But one of the things he said, he, he looked at his fellow worker there and he said, we deserve this. We got here because of what we did. This isn't his fault. And all of a sudden, repentance began to do a work, praise God, and drew him close to God. And that's what it'll always do. When we begin to own up to what we have done, and we begin to confess, and we begin to say to the Lord, I am a sinner, I need your grace. I'm going to tell you something, God doesn't get, he doesn't move away from that. He begins to be attracted by that. That's what some of you are feeling in here, by the way. You're feeling the closeness of God, that that's what draws him. And so that's when this man had the opportunity, praise God, to do something. He acknowledged Jesus' innocence and their obvious guilt. That's what he did. And he recognized the Messiahship of Jesus and begged for his mercy. The man was saved in the last moments of his life to become a relic of redemption. He was inches. Think about this, folks. He was inches from the place of eternal death. Only moments from plunging into the abyss. And it was in those final moments that he found a compassionate hand of strength and redemption. And he died that day from cruel crucifixion, obviously. But today... 
He lives in paradise. Come on, is there somebody in here that you're interested in that? Come on, why don't you follow the Lord and die unto sin? Come on, that's all he's asking you to do. He's not asking you to become the Messiah. He's not asking you to become the Savior. He's just asking you to own up to what's going on in your life. Come on, that's what the truth does. It makes you free. It helps you to realize that sin does not long, any longer have a bondage on me. I'm not handcuffed to it. I don't have to do this anymore. When God was dealing with me with some of my very obvious sins, he didn't condemn me. He just said, you don't have to live that way. Come on, I'm telling somebody here today, you don't have to live that way. Why don't you lift up your hand right now and tell the Lord, you don't want to live that way. Come on, why don't you respond to his word right now? Come on, get rid of that, of, of that timid, timidity. Why don't you get rid of that, hey, I don't know if this is true or not. Why don't you embrace it right now? Come on, why don't you call upon the Lord? Lord. He is near. Come on, I don't want to be on the left side of the Lord. I want to be on the right side. Come on, that's what the truth will do. Come on, the truth will make you free. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what we're talking about here, folks. We're talking about crosses. We're talking about three of them that are very significant. We can go back into history. It has not been lost. You can go back and you can read the same account. And this is what it's all about. But the third one, the man in the middle, praise God, he died for sin. Now remember, there's some people that are dying in sin. They don't have to, but that's what's happening. And then there are people who are beginning to die unto sin. They're beginning to admit the fact that they're not perfect and they have a need for God. That's what it's all about. That's what it'll take you to. And that's why your pride and your arrogance and you're just folding your hands and saying, man, I don't need God anymore. You don't realize what that's doing. You can shut God off. Amen. And I'm not here to beg you. I'm not here to threaten you. I'm just saying you do it. He doesn't. That's what eternity, that's what the judgment seat of God will show is that God gave every opportunity for people. That's what it is. And the reason he does that is because of his great love for us. He makes his love available for us every day of the week, praise God. And so the man in the middle, he died for sin, and it was for the sins of humanity. It was not just for those two that were right next to him. It was for everybody. That's why I, I sometimes try to wrap myself around it when Jesus was on that cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, at that point, God was putting the entire weight of the sins of the world upon his shoulders. I, can't, I mean, that just, it blows me away. And I can't imagine, that had to be some of the most agonizing times for Jesus. Yeah, the nails were agonizing. Yeah, the spear was agonizing. Yes, the whip was agonizing. But having have never committed a sin in your life, and then all of a sudden to have the entire sins of the world put on your shoulders? Come on, think about that. And then the few things that God asks us to do, come on, folks, they ought to pale in comparison. That's what I'm talking about. That's why we need a reminder of what I'm talking about on a regular basis. We need to be reminded of the cross. That's why it's not a, just a one and done thing in, in the year. We need to bring that back out. In fact, if you're interested, next Sunday night, next Sunday morning we'll talk about the resurrection. But next Sunday night we're going to have a special service of communion. And communion is one of those times when God gives to us so that we can remember what he has done. 
Praise God. That's what God wants to do for you in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, his feet were, you know, were nailed to that cross. He was battered and bruised. Each lashing of the whip and each hateful curse hurled against him displayed a divine revulsion against sin. Jesus patiently absorbed the blast of God's judgment against the defilement of sin. Although he was innocent, the Bible says he became sin for us. Can you say amen? Jesus was crucified in the middle. Why? Because he was surrounded by sinners. That's what he was doing. He was proving to the world, praise God, that he was willing to come to this world and to do that. Amen. And so this is it. And one of the last, the last words that Jesus said on that cross was, it is finished. That's what he did. Jesus took it to the end. And that's what God does for us in Jesus' name. And so think about it in recapping here. The three crosses on a hill, they stand permanently fixed in the past, the present, and the future. They don't go anywhere. Those crosses are there, praise God. And they cannot be moved or avoided. This is not some threat, folks. This is the way it is. The truth shall make you free. That's what God does. They stand as redemption's, you know, moment, transcending, unrivaled, and paramount. The cross in the middle is the fulcrum of judgment and grace. Think about that. It's what God did. The willing acts of the Redeemer and the accomplishments of this scene are permanently nailed to the walls of eternity. Nothing will ever wipe that out. That's the thing that you and I come to. And that's why we celebrate this. Yes, we do get a little sad. We do get repentive. We get all of those things because it's designed to do that, praise God. Because the Bible says that all have sinned, praise God, and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. You and I are on the left when we're born. You didn't ask for that any more than I did. But sooner or later in life, we need to realize that. We don't have to stay on the left. We can begin to be gravitated to the right. And that's God's, that's God's love for you. That's what he's doing. One of the rituals, I, I, it is, I just do it. I walk around this church, claim the grace of God, all kinds of things. But I go out there to that flower bed. I walk around it. And, you know, ever since we bought this building, thousands of cars come by here every day. And God made me to know that. And so one of the things I pray, every time I go around that, I say, God, every vehicle, I don't care what it is, a truck, tractor, whatever, four-wheeler, whatever goes by this place, I pray the people that are in those vehicles will feel you're, 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 you're bringing them in, praise God, that you are, you are drawing them, praise God. And this is the prayer that I have for this area. And this is only one of mil you know, millions of places in the world that people are praying prayers like this. This is what God is doing in these last days. He's making the truth, you know, he's bringing it to you. And then he gives you the opportunity to see it for what it is. And don't tell me you've got to go to Bible college for 25 years to understand this. That is not the case. Those two people that were sitting next, or that were on the cross next to Jesus, they weren't highly educated. They could understand exactly what God was doing. That's what God has put in human beings, praise God. He's given them the ability to understand these things. Even somebody that we say that is mentally challenged, yeah, even somebody by our standards that don't come up, they don't have the bar come up quite as far. You'd be surprised what God can do for those people. 
I'm telling you, folks, God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. That's what he does in Jesus' name. And so, as sinners, we are all dying the death of crucifixion in one way or the other. It's, it's happening, whether we like it or not. You know, the wages of sin are death. Those who follow Satan's path suffer the consequences. The enemy cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's in John 10. That's what Jesus told us about the devil. That's what he's doing, praise God. Amen. And so any of this kind of thing, it doesn't make any difference. What it is that has gotten a hold of your life right now, the truth will make you free. That's what it'll do in Jesus' name. Now, one last thing is, yet for the Christian life... Our life is not free from crosses. The sinner looks at the Christian sacrifices and says, you are crucified? Paul confirmed this observation when he said, I die daily. Now there's a difference, folks. Jesus gave us a stern warning of the rigors of the Christian life. He wasn't being undisclosive. He was telling us that, hey, in the world you're going to have tribulation. In the world you're going to have pain. In the world you're going to have times that you don't know what's going on. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus Christ showed us on the cross. That there is overcoming power, praise God. And that's what God wants to bring into your life and into my life, praise God. And that's why Jesus' you know, admonition to his disciples was, pick up your cross. Deny yourself. And that really is a cross today, isn't it? Oh my goodness, you start denying yourself, man, you feel all kinds of pain. But that's the cross that God wants you to be a part of. And then he says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's what God said, praise God. Now listen, before I conclude here, the purpose in life is not to avoid the cross. And that's what a lot of people try to do. They bury it with entertainment. They bury it with thrill. They bury it with money. They bury it with all of the things that this life has to offer. And you must understand, that's one of the worst things that you and I can do. Now, I can't stand up here and tell you I dwell on the cross 24-7. But the cross is always there. It's always there, praise God, as a reminder of what my God has done. And the three crosses especially are there to remind me the dilemma of humankind. And so you and I, you know, we don't want to avoid this thing. We're going to carry a cross one way or the other. You've got people in life today that are carrying crosses that are much too heavy for them. And God is right there saying, do you want me to help? That's all he's saying. And so this is what we've got in this life. The truth will make us free. And so God wants to help somebody here today to understand, praise God, that the truth is what makes you free. It's not your good works. It's not you doing something special for God, you know, that nobody else can do. It's not your talent. That's not it. It's what he did. That's what God wants you to do. You know, our, our, our church here is getting involved in some music, and I appreciate that. But one of the things that I'm still trying to hold on to is some of the older ones. And this morning, or last night, or yesterday, sometime, it was sometime in the last 36 hours, okay, um, God began to deal with me about some songs. And uh, we sang these songs when we first came uh, to church, and maybe that's why they mean so much to me and that type of thing. I don't know. I, I don't have the, the beat on it. But one of the things that God has helped me to understand that some of these songs and these hymnals had an anointing. 
that came to him. And I want to I wanna just, just try to help you at the remainder of this service here to respond to what God wants you to respond. I'm not begging you. You don't have to, you know, if you want to, you can come to this altar. You can kneel at your chair. You can do whatever you want. But just listen to the words of these and see if God can um, maybe begin to deal with you about some of the left-sided issues that you have in Jesus' name. Well, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not that it was for me he died on Calvary. That's it. You know why? Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Come on, remember that. Amen. You know why mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Now listen to the words. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Cal. Come on, Calvary made the difference. Amen. Why? Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Where? At Calvary. Now here's the cause. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Cal. Come on, somebody want to sing of Calvary? Come on. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Where? At Calvary. Oh, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Cal... Come on, these words are anointed. Hallelujah. Why? Because mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. At the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received. Come on, do you want to receive your sight? Why don't you come to this altar right now? 
And why don't you just ask the Lord and thank Him for Calvary. Amen. Well, alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. Come on, you can sing it with me. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. That's right. Oh, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the way was it for crimes that I had done he groaned upon the tree oh amazing pity grace unknown and love beyond Come on, let's go from the left to the right. Amen. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. Oh, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in? Oh, in Christ the mighty Maker died for man, the creatures. Come on, this is our cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. That's right, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. Oh, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy. Oh, you better believe it. I've moved to the right, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. Come on, sing it with me. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away because it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Oh, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Amen. And the burdens 
of my heart rolled away because it was there by faith I receive my sight and now I am happy all the day grace and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my heart from liberty at Calvary come on one more time it was mercy there was great grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burden soul found liberty at Calvary. Come on, one more time. Oh, mercy, there was great grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burden soul found liberty at Calvary. Come on, let's shout for the victory. Jesus name. Praise God. Before we're leaving here today, I'm going to pray one last prayer. And I'm praying for the spirit of understanding, knowledge, and revelation and impartation. That's what has to happen. Bible says we perish for lack of knowledge. The scripture says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so God through his word makes these truths known. He does. And then he will bring understanding. Understanding doesn't usually take the problem away immediately. It just gives us the reason why. Praise God. And then revelation further accentuates what God is trying to get across to our minds. And then the last thing is impartation. We share this with others. It doesn't stop with us. Calvary wasn't just for me. It was for everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so if you want to join me in this prayer, you can, but I'm praying for each and every one of you, those of you online, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is our focal point, God. It's not just an Easter celebration. This is why we have what we have. Your cross is what made it possible. And Lord, right now, I pray for every person that has heard this message, that first of all, they'll never, ever be the same again. They can't. Lord, you can't walk away from this and not be impacted. And so, Lord, I pray for that penetrating power of your word to come into this situation. Move people from the left to the right. Bring people into your kingdom, God, as only you can. I cannot do this. You are the one that does it. And I thank you for it, Lord God. Let every person here, Lord God, understand knowledge, that revelation, that, Lord God, impartation will flow like a river of living water. I pray for rivers, rivers of living water that will flow into this area of Gillette Campbell County, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain District, and everywhere that you and I influence. Everywhere it goes, Lord God, let it cleanse. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and I give you the praise 
and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to God.